Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everyone. Whoa. Whoa, we got some groggy sounds this morning. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. I went through this phase where I preferred my voice to sound as hoarse as possible. I would prefer it to get to a point where it felt so hard to talk. You've got to be kidding me. Let's get this untwisted. I think I've mentioned this before, but I would do rallies for my high school and I would, you know, talk on the microphone and whatever. Then we'd go to football games on the weekend and I was a cheerleader, kind of different timelines, but you get the point. I use my voice a lot. And then after all of these long weekends or these big events and whatnot, I'd come to school on Monday and be like, hey, everyone. I'm so tired from the weekend and I'm not kidding. That's how my voice sounded. And people would come up to me and be like, oh, Taylor, you just must be so tired. Listen to your voice. I'm like, I know it's so groggy (laughs) as if that was cool in any way, shape or form. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, gosh, my voice hurts so much to talk. That means I'm just must have been really busy. And I actually thought it just sounded cooler. I really did. I thought it made me sound a little bit more mature. So I strive to get to that point sometimes. But when your voice hurts too much to talk, if the teacher calls on you when you raise your hand or you're trying not to get called on, you're not raising your hand and you have to talk in front of the whole class, it's just sort of embarrassing. And everyone just kind of gives you a second stare like, is she all right? (laughs) What did she do this weekend? And it would last for a week or so. It would be so common that people would just expect it at some point. And it really lasted even through college, especially too, because, you know, I went to Gonzaga and we had our basketball games and, and pretty much any event that you'd go to, you'd just be screaming your head off because it's fun. (laughs) But I think sometimes I must just go too hard, which is just not good for your voice. Like, let's be honest here. Thank goodness I'm not a singer. That was a dream that I had that just never came to fruition. It was something that I always wanted to do, always wanted to go the singing route, but that was (laughs) halted at the quick ripe age of about six because I sort of you know came to the very honest conclusion that well Taylor you can't sing so that does sometimes throw a wrench in the plans when the plans include you know needing to do the one thing that it requires so that's one of those talents that I feel as if the whole world wishes they had Because singing is such a beautiful thing. I mean, gosh, you just think about some of your favorite singers and how gorgeous their voices are. And it's intoxicating. It truly is. Lately, I've been listening to Griff, who is an artist I've kind of followed for a little bit. But she's kind of at the top of the Pop Rising playlist on Spotify, which is a fabulous playlist if you've never listened to it. It's kind of like those songs that are not big enough to be constantly overplayed on the radio but they're still so dang catchy and really really 
fun and just good pop music, but not kind of in that super annoying, repetitive way. So Griff has a song out right now, and it's called Black Hole. It came out at the end of January, so it's not too, too old, but it's just such a good song, and it's so fun to listen to. And I realized that I have always liked a lot of her other songs as well. So great artist to support. If you're looking for any new songs to stream, artists to stream, Griff is amazing. What else have I been listening to? Dean Martin on repeat always, but that's just kind of the everyday routine. Dean Martin's always on repeat with my my playlist. I don't know what it is about him, but I am just so in love with his music. I think he's got such a sweet and soothing sound to him, and I just love that style of music. Him and Frank Sinatra, definitely high up there in my my books. And weirdly enough, I've actually been to Dean Martin's hometown, which is in Steubenville, Ohio, kind of near like the Pennsylvania-West Virginia border, I think, kind of all in that little area. And it's the town of murals. So there's something like 20 to 30 different murals in this tiny little town. And it's so stinking cool. And so I went because not like I was on a direct flight to Steubenville, but I was in the area. (laughs) Um, and I wanted to go see Steubenville because I wanted to see where Dean Martin grew up before he, you know, moved to Hollywood and whatnot. And there's this giant mural of Dean Martin on the side of uh, Kroger's, I think. Kroger's or Safeway is not the same thing. So if you're ever around town in Steubenville, go make sure that you see the mural on the side of the grocery store. It's actually very, very beautiful. I have a cute little picture in front of it. And pay our, our lovely Dean some some <laughs> respect. I love music. I have always just felt like every single genre is something I can identify with in some different mood at some different type of the day at some time of the year. And I don't know, that sounds like a very cliche thing to say, which is why I don't talk about it too much. Because if I just came onto the podcast every week and I was like, hey, guys, just wanted to update you that I still love music. Music speaks to me. It speaks to my soul. And me and music, one and the same. You know, you'd be like, yeah, well, Taylor, everybody listens to music. And I'm not, you know, in tune enough, for lack of a good pun, to know kind of like the ins and outs of the music industry. Like I'm strictly from a consumer basis, but I've just always really, really loved music from all eras from so many different generations. And I think it's a really great way to unite people. That's why music is so cool because it could be a really fun beat that everyone's dancing to if you're out at a club you're out at a bar or something and everyone knows the words that's amazing like you probably don't even know the person standing right next to you but you guys are still singing along to the same I don't know Katy Perry song or something and I think that's really amazing even universal too I mean Keith and I have good friends that live in Spain and they came and visited us maybe two summers ago now, which, wow, that sounds so long ago, probably because we've been living in Groundhog Day for the last year and a half. No, just year. And I remember when they came and visited, they knew so many of the songs on the radio. And one of the friends and I bonded over our love for Bruno Mars and just how much he loved his music. And then we'd sing along the songs together. And even though there was a little bit of a language barrier on both ends, it was such a great way to connect with one another because we could both sing along to Bruno Mars. There's probably no way that they're actually listening to this. But Chunky was our favorite song that we'd sing together. And it was kind of the reason that Keith and I started calling Reese Chunky because we started saying Chunky, which is the main note in the song. And so it just kind of stuck. And I think that's kind of cute and sweet. And 
bottom line, music is amazing. We love it. It unites us. It keeps us young. It keeps us youthful. It keeps us happy. It's there for us when we need it. It's there for us when we're sad, we're upset, we're angry, we're happy, we're joyful, we're thankful. It's just, uh, it's kind of the best. So turn off this podcast. Go listen to a song or something. (laughs) Screw this thing. Why are you guys still listening? I'm just kidding. Ah. Oh my gosh. I don't know what today has even encompassed for me, but I am still in bed. It is 1230 in the afternoon, which used to be probably a very typical thing for Taylor, but in the past few months or so has become an absolute anomaly. So let me tell you, I am loving every second of this bedridden day. I think I've been a lot better about trying to find a schedule that actually works for me and my routine and doing something that kind of provides a little bit of structure because I don't have a traditional job. I don't have any certain hours to report to. I don't have a boss to report to. You get the idea. So really, I have to be very diligent and determined in my own right to get things done and to be productive. And if I'm not, I'm the only one that you know yells at myself at the end of the day. So on days like this, when it's 1230, I am kind of yelling at myself, but then I'm like, wait a minute, Taylor, you had a really, really bad sleep schedule all week. You were not very good to yourself in a self-care sort of sense, as in went to bed at two or three in the morning, woke up at five or six in the morning, a few nights in a row. But that's also because of procrastination, therefore cramming, therefore running out of time and just needing to do anything I needed to do to get my things done, which is not a good example to set. Let me just say that first and foremost. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. But I think that used to be my way of life. It would be so hot and cold where some days I would be just misses on top of things, misses waking up at 3.58 a.m., misses going to bed at 9 or 10, whatever. And then the next week, I'm staying up till the crack of dawn. I'm waking up at the crack of dawn. Or I do that a few days in a row, and then days like this happen where I'm still in bed in the afternoon, and I'm trying not to get mad at myself for it. But I need the rest, and that's okay to recognize. But also important to recognize that I need to get the heck back onto a normal working schedule. Isn't that right, Reese? She's giving me the stink eye. She knows what I've done is not proper for a good, sufficient lifestyle. Am I right, Fleece? Yeah, that's right. I am, though, kicking myself because I want to be watching Love Island, and I have been, and I really do love it. That show, I was thinking about it the other day, it has defined my quarantine. You know there's probably one thing that you've discovered in these quarantines that now maybe you're obsessed with or perhaps you're already sick of it because you've gotten past the point of obsession that now it's turned into hatred or just resentment because we've been in this quarantine for so long. Love Island was my thing that I quote unquote found in these quarantines. I don't really know why but I started with season six way back when. I want to say it was April or May 2020 and I watched that season 
all 60 some episodes in maybe a week or two. It was kind of bad. And by bad, I mean fantastic. I loved every second of it, was rooting for everybody, still am. So many of the couples are still together. And then the obsession was unleashed. The beast was unleashed. And really since then, I've kind of slowly meandered my way through the remaining seasons in all countries, US, Australia, and UK. From bottom to top, that's a pretty accurate description of quality as well. Like the UK just does it best. Let's be honest. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was the OG. I've also heard, I think they have it in Sweden. Okay. I'm looking up this on Wikipedia. So I have the correct information. There was a German version of Love Island that premiered in 2017, which I would love to watch. I wouldn't mind probably just having to watch the subtitles because I don't speak German, but I honestly would do it. So maybe I'll try and find a way to watch that. It's not on Hulu. The ones on Hulu are just Australia, US, and UK. There was also supposed to be a Dutch Flemish version, but that was canceled after one season in 2019. So I wonder if that one happened. And why is it a mix of Dutch and Flemish? That's very interesting. Okay, and then in September 2020, it was announced that a Spanish version of the show and a Nigerian version of the show were both in pre-production. The Nigerian version was commissioned by Blah 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 Network, and maybe they're going to start filming. That was kind of the rest of the sentence there. Got it. Thanks, Wikipedia. And a South African version premiered in February 2021. So I need to try and figure out a way to watch that. That's amazing. Wait, what? Okay, hang on, hang on here. It does also look like there is going to be Love Island Hungary, Love Island Norway, Love Island Poland, Love Island Romania, Sweden, and Finland. So looks like I have a lot of seasons to catch up on. I need to figure out a way to watch all of those shows internationally. I just have never loved a reality show like this before. And maybe it's because I just don't relate. Like that would just never be my lifestyle. I could never thrive on a show like Love Island. It just wouldn't be for me. So maybe I just find it so fascinating. I don't really know. But I also just love the structure of the show that you get to watch so many episodes over and over again. They premiere five times, six times a week sometimes. And it's just so intoxicating. It really is. So like I said, I've watched pretty much every season out of order and the remaining seasons I have are UK season three and UK season one. And I'm currently on season three and Casa Amor is just starting, which I think is so fun because it was, I think, the first season where they actually did Casa Amor. So nobody knew what was going to happen. And I think in the season's that have happened since then. Everybody kind of anticipated something like Casa Amor happening. And, you know, kind of that gameplay starts to kick in if people are playing for the game. But I'm so, oh my gosh, I'm so interested to see how it pans out for this little cast. Ah, it's so stinking fun. But Keith and I are watching together and that little pooper is at work. So I have to wait because I know he loves watching especially Casa more because it's interesting. It's 10 new people. I mean, come on. We love to see it. Okay, a few questions here. Joanne asks, did you lose weight without tracking food? We have similar body types and I'm struggling. I also feel pressure to track to make changes, but it messes with my mental health so much. So first and foremost, if anything messes with your mental health, I would absolutely not recommend it. I think tracking is a really touchy thing because Numbers can be very, very triggering for some people. And if it is for you, maybe skip forward a minute or so in this podcast. 
I think tracking can be extraordinarily helpful. And tracking doesn't always mean in a negative sense, because I think now it's kind of taken this connotation of if you track, then you have an unhealthy relationship with food or you're trying to reach a goal in an unhealthy way. And for some people, maybe they just need numbers because that's the way that their brain works best or it just really works well for them in a very systematic way. And you all know the drill. If something works for you, then you go ahead, you do it. If tracking doesn't work for you, then don't even worry about it. It's totally fine. I go through phases, truly. When I do track, I use the LifeSum app because I think it's really pretty and fun and it makes it a little bit more focused on life and living and recipes rather than just strictly numbers, which is not the way I like to focus. And I think sometimes if I do track, it's really just more so so I have an idea in my head of kind of the general area that I'm eating in because sometimes I really don't know and other times I think I've recognized in the past where there are some days when I eat very very differently than the day before or the day afterwards and so having a way to track is a good way of staying on track if you're just trying to maintain even. At least in the past month or so I've been kind of tracking here and there but really not consistently so I'm just going to say no, because I think when you track, you have to be kind of on top of things. I'm more so focused on trying to think about the ways that I was moving my body throughout the day and also what I was fueling it with. Because I would say for multiple years at a time, I would try and eat really, really healthy all throughout the day. And by healthy, it was kind of more so what I was being told to eat in a healthy way, quote unquote, which in retrospect, I've recognized was just far too low of calories and just not enough food to nourish me throughout the day that late at night, I would get extraordinarily hungry because my body wasn't receiving the fuel it needed throughout the day. So all of these cravings and all of this desire for more food would kick in at literally 9, 10, 11 p.m. at night. So I was really trying to focus more so on adding a lot more really good healthy, fun, balanced food into my day, in my breakfast, in my lunch, in my dinner or whatever I was eating. So then late at night, I didn't feel this urge to just go into the pantry because I wasn't going into the pantry to make myself something that was probably going to bring me a lot of good nutrients. I would be reaching for tortilla chips and potato chips and pretzels, popcorn, whatever. And sometimes that's totally fine. But if my body was kind of crying out to me saying, hey, Taylor, you're not giving us enough food during the day, then that was a cue that I needed to be listening to it. So I was kind of more so in tune with my cues rather than just checking in on an app every single day. What is the most unhelpful fitness advice that you've been given? That's a question from Connor. And I would say probably anything surrounding low calorie diets. And the shitty thing is I learned that at probably age, I don't know, 15, 16, which is so flipping hurtful. And I like almost curse these programs to this day that they taught me to live that way at such a young age and basically taught me to have these fear foods. And sometimes I wonder how these things are allowed, like how so many people have to approve a program or so many people support a program like from the administrative perspective and nobody flags that as hey maybe this is really bad toxic information that we're publishing to a really young audience shouldn't we maybe I don't know rework the whole thing (sighs) 
So I would say from an eating perspective, that's probably the harshest information I've ever been told as fact, which was to eat a crazy low number of calories at a very young age. But fitness wise, I think we've sort of gotten past the idea that women aren't supposed to weight lift because that was definitely a narrative I was told growing up, up until maybe college or so. And then I also kind of think maybe from a fitness perspective, for a while there actually even still are a lot of videos that will say, reduce your back fat, target stubborn leg fat, or all this uh, lingo, I guess, that's kind of directed towards spot reducing, which I think people make those sorts of thumbnails because they think it's going to attract people to watch the video. And I think that's wrong and that's harmful, even ab videos or ab workouts and whatnot, which I've totally fallen for myself. I've even made videos reflecting on that exact thing like, oh, can I do this workout in seven days and gain abs? I don't know. Let's find out. And of course, you know, you start to realize, hey, that's not really going to happen. It's not sustainable. It's not going to work that way. You're not going to change in one week. But that's kind of what we have to unlearn and I wish that wasn't as common as I see it. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Bianca said, do you think you'll continue to work out from home even when things are 100% open? I would say maybe 20 to 30% of the time. I'm kind of one of those people that needs to get out of the house to get into that mental state of, oh yeah, I'm working out. This is an activity I'm doing since I've left the space of comfort and relaxation. Now I'm in a gym. Now I'm in a fitness studio. Now I'm outside on a run. I need to just do the darn thing versus when I'm in my living room and I'm staring at the couch, all I want to go do is sit on it because that's what you do with a couch. But I've also realized there are so many great ways to exercise your body from home and it doesn't always have to be this big, huge production that I always thought it had to be before quarantine times. So I'm going to say maybe, yeah, just a little bit of the time, especially if I just don't feel like even leaving the house or maybe gyms are going to be way too crowded. That's kind of something I'm a little bit nervous about because people are antsy or people are just wanting to finally get out and move somewhere else other than the same place they've been staring at for day in and day out, months on end. But I've also grown a love for like Caroline Gervin's workouts, for example, which we're still working on. We're still trying to get through that epic program and holy guacamole, is it difficult and is it kicking my butt? And that's something I love. And I love that I can rely on a program like that to make me feel good and to feel good in the comfort of my home. But I also kind of just toy with the idea that I'm paying for a gym membership or I pay for this fitness class. So yeah, I do want to work out at home and it does make me feel good and it's free. So should I cancel one of those memberships just so I can save a little bit of money? Or do I go utilize the gym because it's there and because I'm paying for it? You know what I mean? Bottom line, I'm still going to do my planks. 
I'm still going to do my hula hoops and I'm still going to throw in that home workout here and there. But I think for a majority of my workouts, they'll most likely be back in the gym, even just for a little bit. Like, you know me, I want change. I want a little bit of something new, a little bit of spice. We want something different just for a teeny bit of time. Lastly, Mari Carmen asks, how is NASM studying going? There's just so much reading and information. Do you have any tips? So it's been going wonderfully. And I am just really, really feeling grateful lately that I even have the means to do something like this to get a certification just kind of for pleasure, I guess you could say, or for my own personal education. So it's been really, really nice. And I keep reemphasizing this, but I am going at 12 times slower than snail pace because I just want to absorb everything. And I think with school, I would often just try and take away the big points or I would try and just move through something quickly because I wanted the assignment to be over with and I didn't want to have to study anymore. But this time around, it's just such a different vibe, I think, at least from a personal perspective where I'm so fascinated by it and I'm just wanting to learn so much that I think it's necessary for me to move really, really slow. So if that's not your goal, then I feel like I'm not a great person to recommend swift tips for. But as far as retaining the information, I am just a notebook person through and through. So I write down nearly everything. I feel like I've recopied the textbook in some ways. Huge exaggeration. But at some points, I'm like, Taylor, you rewrote this page. (laughs) But that's the way I try and learn best. So that's what works for me. I've also found a whole lot of different quizlets that review main things from every single chapter, which I think is a little bit more helpful if you're thinking big picture or for the actual certification test. I think that's something that is a really good way to continually refresh information in your mind because when you're you're down the line and you're on chapter 19 or something, it's going to be hard for you to recall things from chapter three or four when things start to blend together, perhaps. So that's a good way of staying on top of it. And yes, it is a lot of good information and it is a lot of information in general, but I try and think about it in a way that relates to my life on a personal level. So let's say I'm sitting there and I'm reading about a certain disease or I'm reading about different healthcare professionals and and how that all relates back to being a personal trainer and how it's kind of all interconnected. I start to paint pictures or connect dots to people in my life that are healthcare professionals or how I've seen their professions kind of intertwine with the space that I'm in right now. So it starts to make it feel like it's a lot more of a personal study rather than, hey, this information's really uncomfortable and really unfamiliar to me and I have no way to pinpoint it to things in my life. But rather, how can I read this information and connect it to what I already know and what is familiar to me? Even every chapter, I'll take a picture on my phone of some of the helpful hints and I try and think about how those hints relate to my idea of fitness or maybe even something I can help other people learn themselves. Like this is one I think from, I don't know, maybe chapter two or something. It was a helpful hint that describes the difference between exercise and physical activity. And you kind of think about our vernacular just in layman's terms and you think sometimes, oh, those things could be used interchangeably. But 
in the textbook, it describes that exercise is a structured and planned form of movement that can elicit a physical adaptation, such as weight loss or improved endurance or strength. So an example of exercise would be something like weightlifting, cycling, swimming, running, things that you are setting out to do with a specific start and end time even, like going to the gym, you are weightlifting, going to a fitness class, class starts and ends in 45 minutes, whatever. And these programs can occur in a gym setting, they can occur outside, or they can be performed alone or in a group setting themselves. But then there's physical activity. And this refers to movement that expends your energy, such as walking, yard work, recreational sports, or playtime. And I am reading from the textbook. It sounds like that's the way I talk, but I'm just reading, I promise. Physical activity can be categorized as continuous or intermittent and can be performed across a wide range of intensity levels, from walking a dog to vigorously shoveling snow after a storm. Physical activity is not typically structured or planned. Rather, it represents natural movement throughout a person's day. So that's kind of a lot of the conversation that I have surrounding increasing more physical activity in your everyday life rather than honing in on just one exercise routine regime for 30 minutes an hour of your day and then never incorporating any other physical activity. It's just little things like that that are kind of breaking down the terminology of words that maybe we kind of throw around left and right because that's the way that we understand them. But when you start to think about that in an everyday context, you can next time you're taking your dog out say, oh, I'm doing physical activity right now. But then later on, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to lift some barbells and I'm going to be doing an exercise. So that's kind of the way that I like to paint it in a more helpful context that really does help me retain more information, which I think is a just, I don't know, kind of decent study tip if I'm not going to toot my own horn. But really, you should always try and find ways to connect what you're learning to things in your life because it will help you actually remember them. It will garner associations and connotations with what you just read in your textbook to things that you actually experience. And then there you go. It's just the circle of life. One big ball of fun and and learning. Woo. We'd love to see it. Okay. That's all for me today, folks. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you are doing a physical activity while you are listening to this, go ahead and read it big five stars on Apple Podcasts. Or if you are doing an exercise while you're listening to this, go comment exercise or go comment your exercise that you're doing right now on the Twisty Pod Instagram. I love you all so much. Please, 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 please keep yourself safe. Enjoy yourself. Have fun today. Have fun this week. Be mindful of yourself. Do something nice for yourself. And I'll talk to you next week. Love you all. Bye. Bye.